Hey guys, it's Chris Bircher, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom, and this is episode 66, Clarity. Last time we talked about um, how do you know if you really know what you think you know, and uh, that spurred some uh, a conversation I've had with myself in the past where I've, I've, the question I've always asked myself is, well, one, how does anybody ever know, how, how does any conversation ever result in anything resembling the intended result or consequence? How, do, how, how can we be effective communicators in the world? How does communication ever work out? And it goes back to that classic game of telephone that you play like in fourth grade or whatever, where somebody whispers something to somebody and then they whisper this something then, and it goes around 30 or 40 people around the room and then it comes back to the end and it's completely different. That's what I'm talking about. You know, and the and the idea of clarity is um, really has to do with converse, clarity and meaning. And so I'm building off of last week when we were talking about knowing. How do we even know if we know what we think we know? How are we clear about those things? I mean, number number one, humans are uh, inquisitive, curious creatures. And for me, I try to keep an open mind. I might make some pretty 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 definitive statements about how I feel about something, but I, I hope and my intention is to always be open-minded enough to change my mind. If new evidence comes along and suggests that what I was thinking before may be less accurate than some new way of thinking, I, you know, it's funny, it sounds, one person could say, well, you're super inconsistent. You know, it's like, no, I'm just open to new information. What, are we supposed to believe exactly the same thing we believe when we're born for the rest of our lives? No, we grow and we change and our circumstances change, our age changes. You know, we might think, um, feel real strongly that, you know, I'm going to smoke weed every day and do psychedelic drugs on a weekly basis because I think that's a spiritual endeavor. Well, then then you're 40 and you have kids and a job and you can't do that thing anymore and you don't, you don't feel like that. That's a, you know, a course kind of silly example, but certainly there are people out there who have said that before. Um, or, you know, I, I believe that uh, the measure of a man is the, the 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 cut of his jib and the kind of clothes that he wears. And so I'm going to dress really nicely and spend a disproportionate part of my budget on clothes so that I always look good. I mean, some people might believe that. They might change their mind and say, you know what, that was a waste of money. I really was spending too much money on image. I don't think that way anymore. The point is, we change our minds. We don't always... And so it becomes difficult to sort of assess how we're really feeling or what we believe about something. And I, and when my wife and I first started dating, I realized that I did something because, um, you know, she would ask me uh, like what I would consider to be a rhetorical question. You know, it's like, what do you think about abortion? And I would say something like, oh, I think it's a woman's body. It's her right to choose. Abortion should be legal everywhere. And so she hears that literally, that that is my definitive position on that subject. When in reality, there's a lot of wiggle room. Whoa, 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 you didn't talk about like, you know, um, religious people or, or, or believe this, these belief systems, uh, um, systems or that, you know, abortion can't happen in the eighth month or, or all these other things where I might be like, okay, hold on. I, I, I can, I can grow and change and I can see these exceptions and make room for those in, in my, uh, thought process. And I, I, I feel like I very rarely declare absolutes, you know, which is funny because you go back to the series and look at the episodes I've recorded. Episode one, facts, you know, facts are, you know, there's something out there that's definitive. But for the most part, humans are not that. 
<laughs> we generally do not operate in the realm of facts and truths. It's more like, you know, these dynamic and, and changing beliefs and values. And so, yeah, like episode nine, old beliefs, talking about beliefs. And then episode 28 was doubt, you know, the whole idea that maybe I'm not right. Maybe I'm wrong in this case. Maybe other people are wrong. Maybe what I believed before isn't accurate and there's a different way. Episode 38, faith and trust. You know, at some point you have to sort of say, I have enough information. I'm going to put my faith and trust in this information and, and, and feel like this is the position that I can most strongly take, you know, without definitively uh, uh, prescribing to some system or some, you know, focused idea. You can be what some people would call wishy-washy, but I would just simply call realistic and flexible and open-minded. And then, of course, that, that leads to episode 46. We talk about values and how it is important to sort of figure out the, the, your absolutes, your deal breakers, right? Your list of things that you definitively stand for and, you know, pending some astronomical um, explosion of new information, you probably are going to stick to uh, above all else, you know, the, the most important things in your life. Um, and then, of course, episode 48, which was leading into the R versus should problem is that process of unlearning. What things do I really, have I really put all my faith in and sort of, you know, D- declared that I will die on the sword of these things, which maybe really aren't that well thought out or things that I'm really not that sure of that I want to leave a bit, a bit more wiggle room or perhaps even entertain, you know, finding more information and, and reaching a, a different conclusion or just simply being more open-minded about. So, the, the, you know, this episode sort of is an extension of knowing how do you know for yourself? So the first step, there's, there's basically two parts of this. One is clarity in what we think, know, believe, value. Co- the conversations that we have with ourselves, which is very interesting because I mentioned internal family systems before, and these conversations would essentially be between yourself with a capital S, your true person, and then your parts. And you can have conversations with these parts, and you may find disagreements, but ultimately yourself is in charge or some part of you is in charge of determining what it is that you value and you believe and you trust and have faith in uh, and, and all these other things. But there are conversations that we have with ourselves when we make these decisions and when we decide these things. They don't just happen. For me, I actually feel like I have verbal conversations in my head among the different voices. It might not happen like that for everybody, uh, but, the, but, it, but it's a, it is a conversation. And the conversation model extends very well to clarity. And the second path is clarity in our conversations with other people. And that's what sort of spurred my interest in this whole thing. Because again, if you think about what happens in a conversation between two individual people from the same culture, speaking the same language, it's amazing to me that either party feels satisfied that they have been heard and understood. Um, Again, it goes back to that telephone game. We know that we tend to hear things differently than they are said, right? So there's one, there's one um, uh, potential for error, right? I might say, I want to go to the store, and you might have heard that, that you, maybe you think I'm being passive-aggressive, and you heard, I want you to go to the store for me. Uh, but those, you know, what I meant and what you heard are two different things. Now, maybe I really did mean... I need to go to the store, but I'm really not interested in going to the store. But what I said is I got to go to the store. You may, you certainly did not hear the, unless you're, you know, you've been married for 45 years or something like that. You definitely did not hear the passive aggressive. 
I want you to go to the store for me because I'm too lazy to go. Or maybe you did, but probably you didn't. So there's another source of error. I may not be using the right, I may not be telling you the full truth. And then there's the receptive part, of, you know, did you understand what I said? And, the, and so there's layers upon layers of potential for error. Maybe, maybe I used a word like uh, go that we have different meanings for. Like maybe, you know, to me, go means at some point in the near future, you know, we got to go buy some cereal. And what you heard is go at the get up right now, put my shoes on and get in the car. We're going. Maybe those words mean different things to us. And so why would we define them similarly? And it amazes me the degree to which, and I got, you know, I got it at this in a couple of different episodes, the semantics and definite, oh, it's that Paul Lutus, you know, we define things and, and our definitions of words are dynamic and ever changing. And really what words mean or what we think they mean, we all think they mean different things. There's ambiguity in language, Right. There just is. And so if we all have different ideas about what word means, how can we words mean? How can we possibly have a meaningful conversation about that? Especially when the words are things like religion and politics and identity and, 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 and you know, uh, that's crazy, right? So lots of different opportunities for error. Um, both parties, and I'm using a simple model here of two individual people. In reality, conversations happen with multiple people, and and a lot of times they're polarized, so you got multiple people on varying sides. Sometimes there's more than two sides. It gets way more complicated than just one person talking to another person, which only expands and multiplies the potential for error. So how do two people, or however many people or groups, ever walk away from a conversation where clarity existed, where the message that was intended to be delivered was received in a very accurate way, uh, that the, the, the listener understands 100% or close to that, the intent of the message of the person talking to them. When does that ever happen? We do a pretty good job, but I think a lot of it is reading between the lines. I mean, two people read a different book, they're going to get completely different things out of it. I mentioned Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance before, and I've recommended that to several of my friends and had conversation with, I don't know, half a dozen people at least about what they got out of the book, and it's always something different. It's crazy. And of course, you know, that that has to do with the subjectivity of the subjects involved, right? And our different interpretations of the meaning of the words in the book. So much room for error that it's unbelievable that we can be effective in conversation. And again, I think this has a lot to do with some nonverbal elements that happen and getting to and how well we know people and why it's easier to have these kind of kind of kind of conversations with people that you know and understand because you better understand their body language and their nonverbal communication. And then on the other hand, maybe it's easier to have conversations using simple words with people that you don't know very well. I want combo number two with no pickles. Hey, that's what I got. Effective communication, right? Because there were no value judgments. There was no friendship. There was no emotions, right? There were no biases. The language was simple. There, there, was, a, there was a menu, with a limited number of things, I only only get so many choices, and I picked one of them, and the person understood that. Uh, it's 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 amazing again <laughs> that our family members, our friends, our close relationships can navigate the muddy waters that is the error of communication and ever find any clarity. Now, <laughs> if we don't know this for ourselves, okay. So the the big issue, I guess, is in a conversation. 
And it goes both ways and it varies with any conversation. But generally, when one person is speaking, they want to be heard. And in that case, the person speaking wants to be heard. And the person that's listening, the intent is for them to understand the person or to hear the person, right? That's how conversation works. I'm speaking, you are listening. There is information being transferred from me to you, at least in that one instance of me talking and you listening. And hopefully, ideally, I want you to understand what I'm trying to say and reflect back to me that you do, ideally, so that I, you know, that would be perfect. We don't generally do that. We don't say things like, well, what they teach you in counseling, when especially couples counseling, to say back to your partner, I hear you say this. Am I accurate in my interpretation? And this is why, because the psychologists understand this. We suck at communication in a lot of our Marital problems, relationship problems, stem from the fact that we simply don't understand one another. It's nobody's fault. Okay, so that's getting at fault or getting at intent or getting at um, solving these problems. Whose responsibility is it then? In that situation where I'm talking to you, it's arguable that it's my responsibility to ensure that you understand the message that I'm delivering to you. And you may have pre-existing conditions, characteristics that that make it difficult for you to understand my message, be, be that semantics or be that, you know, um, age, be that our the nature of our relationship. And so it is the responsibility of the person that wants to be heard to help the other person hear them, right? That is, is pretty hard to argue, and especially if you think about it from like a marketing standpoint. I have apples for sale. I want you to buy them. I need you to understand what I'm selling you and what the deal is and how much they cost and all this other stuff. And if you don't get that the first time, if you see a sign that says, you know, apples five for three, you don't get what that means. It's me. It's my fault. I need to help you understand that. And so, but that's not the end of the story. There is some responsibility with the listener in that case to 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 assist in the process now you could be a selfish person and be like i don't give a crap i mean you're trying to sell me something if i don't understand what you're selling that's your problem okay that's that is reasonable but now what if the listener were to take it upon themselves to say you know what i didn't understand what you said i know you're trying to communicate with me effectively but it isn't happening can i give you some feedback or can i ask you a few more questions so that we understand that we're on the same page and then at the end of all this we'll agree and i'll repeat back to you what you told me and then we'll make a decision that's the ideal situation but is every conversation going to be that way no <laughs> but we'll say in every conversation responsibility with the clarity uh, lies on with all parties involved. Now, the motive, the person with the motive has the biggest part of the responsibility and the person with no motive, the listener, the hearer, really it's not, there's no written law that they have to do anything, but it is the nice thing to do. If you are in a conversation and want to consider it friendly and you want to be an effective person in, in, in the world, then being a good listener, what we would call a good listener, is important. And the way that you are a good listener is you help this person speaking know that you've received their message and you explain to them what you've understood so that you guys can get on the same page to ensure that there is clarity. That's how clarity happens. I don't know how else it happens. We're not going to go in and rewrite the dictionary. We're not going to limit the number of words. We're not going to give each other menus, you know, of choices that we have, that of, of statements we understand that you can use. Now, certainly some of that happens when you're speaking to people 
with learning disabilities or different ages or from different cultures that speak different languages. That's kind of what we break it out down to. Like, where is the bathroom? Uh, you know, uh, where is the AT? Whatever. You have these simple things and you can have simple conversations using that sort of menu-driven relationship. But how much are you really going to get out of that? One of my biggest motivations to learn Spanish is when we go to Spanish-speaking countries that I can have meaningful, develop meaningful, albeit short, relationships with people so that we can fully understand each other and not be limited by my understanding of the language and not be able to speak or hear uh, effectively, right? I'm, I'm limited by that, and it, it's a drag. I come back from Costa Rica or wherever and think, you know, I liked this guy. I wish we could have developed a better relationship, but there was a language barrier that prevented our mutual clarity in developing a friendship. Okay, so you could argue that the listener has no responsibility, but I'm here to say that I think they do. And at the end of the day, you know, it's who needs to be heard. The greatest part of the responsibility for clarity falls on their shoulders. But if you're having a conversation with somebody who doesn't want to hear you, doesn't want to understand you, doesn't want to listen to you, there's not much that you can do. And this is where we find ourselves in the world of identity politics in the United States of America, currently with the sort of Democrat versus Republican thing. You know, we don't want to hear it. We've got our minds made up. And so what I said in the beginning about being open-minded is, is, is a good way to initiate a clarity-producing conversation. And this is where I get it at discourse, because in a discourse, there's there's sort of some rules. And one of the rules is that you have good intentions, that you don't want to hurt anybody, that you don't want to make anybody angry, that, that you are open-minded and willing to hear the other sides to the point and consider them during the conversation. And in fact, that is the whole reason of having a discourse is to state your ideas, your knowledge, your beliefs, your values, your history, your opinions, put them out there for the world, and then allow everybody else to do that. And now we've got this amazing giant pile of information that we can all sort of ask questions about. What do you mean by this? Well, how about this? Is this the same thing? Can we pile these together? And in the process of doing that, we reduce that seemingly infinite pile of information to something clear to everybody. Clarity, universal clarity and meaning. And then we can all sort of weigh in about how we feel about that. And, And having gone through that process as painful you know, as that would be to do that every time you'd speak to another human being or to yourself, as painful as it would be to do that, the process of in it of itself creates trust and faith and understanding and empathy, right? And and that's what we're missing. <laughs> Without all that stuff, who gives a shit? You need to hear what I'm saying, period. Oh, you didn't hear me. Well, you're an idiot. I mean, what kind of a conversation? What is that where we're headed? You know? Or, you know, a more menu-driven Wally-esque sort of screen time thing. It was like, how are you? How are you? Uh, wait, you said fine. Uh, the only options were good, thank you, and a good day, and, you know, fine, fine thanks. Uh, that, I just... I don't think we're meant to have these sort of... Com- um, complex and long-winded sort of check-in, touchy-feely types of conversations, right? There certainly is a lot to be said for nonverbal communication and, and culture, and I think that's important. I also think if we move through the world 
with a little bit of responsibility that, A, I might not be as clear as I think I am. It might behoove me to ensure that the people that I have conversations with, including myself, uh, have a chance to ask questions about what my intentions are and to have that sort of back and forth, not just to sort of barf out my intentions and leave it there, but to, to, to be open to some sort of recourse and some sort of actual conversation about a statement that I make. And, and, and with the understanding that I might not be very clear and that it's very easy for someone else to misunderstand my words. And so making room for that sort of back and forth, I mean, if we forget how to do that, and I think we are forgetting how to do that, I don't know what the world looks like, and I'm not sure that I want to be a part of it. But I, don't, I certainly don't think it has to be overwhelmingly mechanistic and complicated and long-winded. And I don't think we have to be like, um, you know, cancel culture, sort of politically correct about the whole thing and be like, oh, I'm very sensitive to your belief systems and I want to make sure that I'm not offending you or something like that. I just think if we're aware, you know, it's like, it's like I've said this several times before on the podcast, the awareness itself that no conversation we have with ourselves or with other people has any reasonable expectation of going and being effective. And it's an amazing fluke that any of them are. If we go into it like that, we're probably better off. We probably are creating some space for this discourse that I'm talking about, this, this two-way street of, of having a conversation that will result in not only more clarity, but the byproducts of trust and faith and closeness and empathy and, dare I say, love in the world. It's creating opportunity for that. And, and I think we miss that a lot. Uh, and so how hard is that? That's all I'm saying. That's all. I think the way to resolve this, and you're already doing this if you're listening to this, is know thyself, right? Have clarity with yourself. You know, Figure out how to have effective conversations with yourself to know <laughs> as much as you can how you currently feel and how you have felt with your history and what your opinions and beliefs, and, and, and again, your values, the most concrete thing that you have, are in the world without prescribing some us versus them identity politics to it. And then understand your motivations a little bit when you're having conversations with other people. And then having learned how difficult it really is to even see where you're coming from, how difficult it might be for another person to understand that. And that the words you choose and the way that you speak them and the body language and all the other things and the asking, you know, if you've been heard and the invitation for two-way communication, all those things are going to go so far to making you a better communicator with the rest of the world. So it's like, it's really about attention, right? It's about paying attention to yourself, understanding yourself a little bit better, and then paying attention to the people that you're interacting with in hopes of understanding both them and you a little bit better. And I think there's some value there. And I think this idea of clarity is, is bigger than the word looks, right? I mean, you'd see the word clarity, you know, you think it comes from clear, okay, it's understandable, whatever. Um, 
it can be so much bigger than it really is. And you probably didn't think that was the direction I was going to go based on the meaning of that word, which is a great example of how semantics can be confusing. So yeah, think about that in your conversations with other people. I, I certainly sort of learned a lot from talking about this and developing an idea I had while doing some yard work before I recorded this. Uh, and I think that's going to change. And I, and I hope I can remember uh, to do that. And I hope that you can too. This has been Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom, Episode 66, Clarity. I'm Chris Bircher. I'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Take it easy.